Hello, everybody. This is the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. There's only one of us. This is Here Comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Spidey Comics from April of 1986. That's right, and this is a weird occasion because... We just saw Josh for the first time in the flesh two days ago, and it was like surreal, wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, like, it's been since before the pandemic. Well, I, I guess like the pandemic had kind of already started, but it wasn't really in Canada yet. And we <laughs> we, were, we were watching Bloodshot of all things, and that was the, that was the last Risking thing I did out in you know the world without a mask. We saw Bloodshot. Yep. I think there was one point where uh, Mike went to get like coffee in the lobby and Josh looked at me and was like, should we even be here? And I was like, you know what? We're already here. Yeah. yeah it it was, felt it weird. It was kind of scary and surreal. Yeah. yeah. I think that was back when we thought it was just like the flu. So we didn't realize we were risking our lives. Yeah. But even if we did, we still would have saw Bloodshot. No. All right. <laughs> so yeah, we also want to remind everyone this week we're also joined by G.I. Jolie. Hello, Jolie. Woo. Hello. And I want to say, looking mm-hmm. into Josh's flesh, in the flesh, was the weirdest <laughs> oh, thing I've ever... It was weird. <laughs> Tell them. I couldn't stop staring at your face. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. <laughs> Julie kept looking over, it like it's weird looking at you. <laughs> it was she like, said okay. that to me too, but she sees me all the time. Anyway, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a good uh, face, Josh. Thank you. I appreciate that. And your head's not that big. I know that you say it's huge, but it's like <laughs> you know, your it's a normal. Not that it's the nicest what thing anybody's ever said to me. It's not that big. Yeah. Backhanded compliment. <laughs> right, okay, we've also got returning co-host Bex Luthor. Thanks for joining us, Bex. Hi. I, I wasn't there when you all got together, but that's not for any reason other than I don't go outside. So <laughs> one day, <laughs> one day we'll see you again. No one will ever see me in person. I am a mystery now. I'm never, <laughs> never going outside now that I don't have to. All they right, deliver Uber so. Eats right to your door, and you don't even have to say anything to anybody anymore. Like, That's sure, there's an option to, to just like leave it there. So I don't have to mm-hmm. talk to anyone in real life ever again. There's advantages to that, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, we also want to re- uh, welcome return special guest, Adam Peltier. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I wish I could say something about your face, Josh. I've only seen it... Uh, <laughs> You know, sporadically. I, I feel ambivalent about it, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. <laughs> I've seen oh it for 25 God. years. <laughs> uh, Adam, how many times have you been on our show now? Actually, uh, because dates and time mean nothing to me since the <laughs> pandemic, uh, I'm not really sure. I want to say this is my third time on the on the talkie talk. Uh, yeah. Really? Well, guess what? I'm going to correct you and say it's probably closer to four times because i have a giant database that keeps track of how many times you've been on the show <laughs> and your name shows up f- actually five times five so times. so everybody's oh, wrong really has it been <laughs> no, five you know, i'm wrong i'm wrong it's not five no it's because i put your name twice sometimes so it's oh, probably okay. four <laughs> but I, it's, I actually, it's only there one and a half times yeah, yeah. <laughs> You have this amazing, accurate database. Oh, never mind. I, I fucked oh, up. Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> it's just four. I mean, three. I mean, five. 
Uh, no, I, I, that was, that was, look, this is accurate. Look, May 6, 2020. Uh, and then again with David Constantino. And then November 4th. And then January 16th. And now this time. Oh, wow. Those innocent times back in 2020. <laughs> Where, did we talk about... I'm trying to remember uh, uh, back to like all the 90 plus episodes we've done. Did we talk about the epi- the the issue of the thing at the amusement park? We did Marvel team up one yes. one twenty eight, so that was probably it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then you I did really a team. Go ahead. There was go a ahead. giant rat man at one point. I know that. <laughs> right. Oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Vermin. Man. Vermin. <laughs> right. Vermin. Yeah, Vermin. Cool name. Anyway. Yeah, cool. Very cool. This week, we're not talking about Vermin. We are talking about... uh, I'm going to be starting off with the web of Spider-Man number 13. (laughs) Um, This is a pretty fun issue. The cover is... uh, it's pretty fun. We've got a, a Spidey holding J. Jonah Jameson by like the, the scruff of his shirt and uh, raising a fist to him. And we've got like the headline. That's kind of our starter for the for this issue. Um, as Spidey is like swinging through the city and uh, saving this guy uh, as he's about to get hit by a semi truck, um, we're seeing snippets from a newspaper um, and we find out later it is from the Daily Bugle uh, of this event. And um, the the uh, the the newspaper is not accurate to exactly what happens. And we we see that uh, it's describing how Spider-Man has like intimidated the man into the street to to run in front of the truck. And some witnesses say that he even grabbed the truck and scooted along to to try to you know really squish him and finish him off and blah 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 blah. but what we see is this this guy um uh buddy corbett he Mm -hmm. runs out to the street gets hit by a truck and is in the hospital and uh after uh the newspaper bit kind of ends we see that the crowd is kind of divided some people are really uh happy that you know he was able to jump in and save him other people are really angry and they're calling him a mutant and um some of them are like you know talking about how the the bugle is right and he's he's a menace and we see that the public perception for spider-man is not so hot right now um we cut over to uh J. j jonah jameson as he's writing this paper and we cut to the guy in the hospital and all these news reporters are there and uh jj and peter go in to take pictures and to interview him and um the guy is kind of really not sure what to do he's worried about his medical bills and he just wants to kind of get out of the hospital as quickly as possible um jj is like trying to kind of like manipulate him into saying that peter pushed him into the uh, spider-man pushed him in front of the truck um after that we kind of get uh, a couple of other reporters from nbc news and they decide to play the the clip of uh, the businessman talking about how uh, Spider-Man is a menace rather than um, this homeless woman who says that he was a hero and saved the day who was actually there during the during the scene of the crime uh, due to time. And that further kind of pushes public reception into the gutter. 
Ben Yurick is pretty suspicious of this. So he decides to kind of do his own research and contact somebody from the police and ask him to run some records on uh, the Buddy Corbett guy, the guy that got hit. We cut over to a bank robbery and Spidey comes in and saves the day. Um, but everybody in the bank is kind of upset because the bank robbers decided to blow up the ATM with dynamite and it ruined all of the, the money. So they were just going to run away and not, you know, really cause a scene where Spider-Man jumps in and stops them. And ev- the whole crowd is like against him and, um, he even takes note that his spider sense uh, uh, went off, which meant that one of them was actually going to put him in danger and actually harm him. So mm-hmm. uh, he goes back to his place and he's kind of reflecting and he sees on the news the story being run of uh, the businessman talking bad about him. And he's kind of had it at this point. So he goes in, in and confronts J. Jonah Jameson. Um, and it's this really great scene where he kind of locks him into the uh, – into his office and confronts him about how he's a bully and uh, 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 he's always talking about how uh, he's a menace and he's a bad guy, but he saved JJ countless times, his son, his family, his wife, him. So he's kind of like, what the heck? Like, why do you keep doing this? And um, J. Jonah Jameson kind of uh, confronts him and says, uh, you know, either I pushed you to this point and you are a menace or you've been a menace this whole time and I was right. So either way, you're being you right now, you're a menace. So Peter kind of like brushes it off and leaves. And it turns out that, um, uh, they get the police report back from Ben and, uh, the, guy buddy corbett was actually a con artist and he goes from city to city with different names uh to try to to make money and uh spider-man was right so uh jade jonah jameson decides to run the story correcting uh the fact that spider-man um did something bad and he actually ended up saving the day and hopefully this would kind of change public's reception on spider-man um yeah, I thought it. I thought it was a pretty fun story. There, there's really no like big major bad guy uh, mm-hmm. in this. I guess besides Buddy, but well, it's a really great character study of uh, both JJ and Peter and their kind of dynamic with each other. Right, hmm. and we should quickly point out that uh, Web of Spider Man has kind of gained a reputation as a fill-in. Like they, they really have no regular writer, no regular artist. Every issue is completely different. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amazing has kind of like the continuing ongoing saga of Spider-Man and the Hobgoblin and all the villains. And then Peter Parker is like the ongoing saga of Spider-Man and like hooligans and whoever. This is kind of a different story every issue. I definitely appreciate that it's done in one and I think it's good for that reason. But I think it was going for something a little bit more than it accomplished. But I still think it's really good. But I, I want to know what Adam, Adam, what you think of this issue. Web of Spider-Man number 13. What's your opinion? Uh, you know, in terms of the actual story, I think this was probably the strongest or one of the strongest of the stories we've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, like Josh was saying, that dynamic between Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and J. Jonah Jameson, I thought that was done very well. I think actually having reflection where Spider-Man is having a point where he is acknowledging maybe he is a bit of a menace. 
and maybe there is some truth to what Jonah is publicizing is actually a oddly profound character moment for Mm -hmm. Peter, Uh, something I'm not accustomed to in the past few episodes that I've participated in. Uh, There hasn't been too much reflection of Peter on his nature and how he goes out to solve crimes, and I actually really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I have to say... I was not a fan of the art hmm, by okay. any stretch of the imagination. I feel a little bit bad saying this because I know some people actually enjoy the pencils by Mike Harris. Um, I felt the body proportions and the character models were all over the place here to the point where it became absolutely distracting. Even on the second page where we have Buddy looking up at the sky, I, I don't know what's happened. Something may have bit him. Uh, he may be on an acid trip from his super dilated eyes and then his Gumby style running across the street uh, in the next <laughs> panel below. I found the art very distracting. I'll put it that way, which is a shame because this had some of the most mature character work in a Spider-Man comic that I think I've ever read, to be honest. Well, uh, before we jump to anyone else, I want to know, you talked about Mike Harris's pencils. What about Kyle Baker's inks? I think the inking was done really well. I think the inking actually saved a bit of the work. Now, I have criticism sometimes where the inking is done too heavily mm-hmm. in these like mid-80 periods of comics, in the mainstream comics in particular, where it muddies up the pencils and it's hard to distinguish backgrounds and characters. I think it set a mood and a more serious tone for this book, and I think it did actually cover up some of the more uh, egregious art feelings of the pencils um, there's one more point i'm just gonna bring up relating to the art it's near the very end of the issue where uh, robbie is exiting j jonah's uh, office and his arms are not only contorted in a very <laughs> odd way yeah, good point it, it kind of looks like i'm not sure if you remember those transformer toys from the mid 80s where there would uh, transformers what's that Sorry, <laughs> like, yeah you would not know about that yeah and their arms are kind of like stuck in this like <laughs> mid transformation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. the lever's broke. I can't connect it. And it looks like he can't transform to his final form. I, I, I don't know. Uh, great shadow work, though. I do really appreciate the inking, giving it a bit of a darker tone. Uh, I'm interested to hear what other people have to say about the ink work because I, this might just be me enjoying it, but I'd like to hear everyone else's opinion on the matter. All right, let's jump to G.I. Jolie. What's your opinion on this issue, G.I. Jolie? I agree with Adam. It is super... uh, It is definitely one of the most mature, um, like, handlings of character development I've ever Mm -hmm. read in Spider-Man. Or Mm -hmm. maybe... I wouldn't say in comics, but for sure, Spider-Man up to this point. I really enjoyed this book. Um, It it was a really great character study. I have my own favorite parts too, um, but uh, like Adam said, like even I, I really enjoyed the inking. I really enjoyed the inking. There was just something different about this book. It didn't feel, um, it didn't feel like Spider-Man. It felt like um, I probably because there wasn't like some supernatural weird baddie in a costume. <laughs> uh, but it felt like it felt more like a like a television show right 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 like a dramatic take on spidey that like not a cw spidey 
um, and maybe not like a another network, but Netflix almost, Spidey. Yeah, like not an HBO Spidey, but like a Netflix it, Spidey. An Amazon Prime Spidey. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Do you know what? The inks made it very Amazon Prime. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but but I think you're totally right though. It does kind of have that like daredevil feel at times, like Netflix's yeah. daredevil. Um, yeah. Where it yeah, does, there's it, this one. Sorry, Josh. No, no, go ahead. Oh well, there's this one really great scene. Um, I think it was after Spidey <clears throat> comes in, like crashes into JJJ's office, and like threatens him, like he's had enough. And I'm like, <laughs> why didn't he do this before? This man has been on his ass all the time. Mm-hmm. I would have been this, like, and he's this mad now. Good for him. And then uh, Robbie walks in. And there's this sort of back and forth between him and Robbie that, like, it tells me more about their two characters as mm-hmm. men, as co-workers, um, as newspaper men, than I've ever, it, it gave me more of that in this one page than i've ever read in all of spider-man mm-hmm. oh i'm this is music to my ears folks but mm-hmm. anyway uh bex luther what do you think i hated it <laughs> come on <laughs> no it was great um, <laughs> <laughs> i only exist to make mike upset that's that's my role on this podcast working <laughs> um no no i really really enjoyed i was like finally webb is trying to figure out oh maybe it wants to be a character study instead of whatever garbled mess it's been previous to that i just (laughs) it sets it up with such a simple like spidey stopping a truck from hitting a guy and then all of a sudden it goes into spider-man versus the people of new york spider-man versus the press and it really like when he's sitting in his apartment and he's like lamenting over all of his burned belongings and his shredded red and black uh blue suit it just is like you just feel for the guy like everyone is against him he calls mary jane gets nothing from her because she doesn't ever have anything useful to say lately it seems like and <laughs> and it turns out it's all for nothing like obviously the, he was trying to save this guy and the guy ran into a truck and d- none of it really mattered and it's just i don't know i don't really have anything else interesting to say that hasn't already been said really i guess um i did like when he kicked into the in the window and just like shattered mm, it like dude right. you work there <laughs> it's coming out your paycheck that. yeah <laughs> no well, no it's just it's so dramatic like i love i love when peter is as dramatic as he is because it, deep down he will always be a 16 year old high school boy getting bullied and this time it just happens to be getting bullied by the media and he just is so dramatic and whiny about it and i love it (laughs) you know i feel like you know i I, back in the 80s as you guys know there was only two people on earth that read comics and i was one of them no one else read comics at least in my high school and i feel like that that validation you feel when all of a sudden you know how like now everyone likes (laughs) avengers and x-men and spider-man and they all have dvds on their shelves and and, and you're like, yeah, I've been saying that for 20 years. That's exactly how I feel, where you finally... like This is a random issue of Web of Spider-Man that no one's mentioned in 30 years. 
no, there's no consequences to the story, but this is exactly why I loved Spidey when I was 12 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Stories like this. Like, uh, nothing, like, the story ends, we never ever go back to it, nothing consequential happens, but the writing's good, the art's sort of good, it offers something unique, it's done in one, and, yeah, I love this issue, I absolutely love it. If I um, may, yeah, I, I just want to say that I think you're on point with this, Mike, because far too often in superhero comics, <clears throat> creators try to raise stakes to the point where there's no tension. It doesn't matter the most powerful villains come to face a superhero. In the end, you know the hero's going to survive because there's solicitations for another dozen issues for mm. another year. Yeah. What really hooks you is what hooks you for any medium. Good storytelling. And this is what this issue delivered far beyond anything else I've read as part of this podcast. Great storytelling. And it's only fitting that after this... You know, we're going to be talking about a comic which does exactly what I mentioned. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll save that for a minute from now. But I just think this is a great example that I think contemporary creators and writers could use as a jumping point to say, what do we do with Spider-Man? No, you don't need to make him make deals with the devil or have weird right. bastard clone children. No, give him an interesting character development and then people will care. You know, I- I'm going to add to that. I'm going to add to that exactly and say that, oh God, it, it, it's, it goes so much bigger than that. Even you're right. It's like nine. And this is why when I compl- uh, I think most of uh, people from our generation complain about modern comics, we kind of get accused by Becca of being old men shouting at clouds <laughs> and okay, boomer and all this stuff. But the truth is, is that the stakes... I don't think I said that. You said, okay, boomer, but it was about something different. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) He's not bitter. But it's like, Mm -hmm. no, the stakes don't need to be high. Uh, The the storytelling style doesn't need to change. And and, and obviously, Becca, no, you didn't specifically talk about this. But I'm just saying that there is a difference between this type of storytelling and the modern way of stories. And that's why if I'm reading a comic and it says... You have to pick up 17 other comics to understand, you know, where the story fits in. I just stop buying. I stop reading. Do you mean like kind of like how Secret Wars 2 happened? I think Secret Wars 2 probably started that, right? Like it yeah, partially started the, it. Because this is the, because I don't know. I feel the same way with these comics. A, a lot of them are, oh, you got to figure out what's going on. Oh, go get this one. Go get this one. Right, right, right. I think it's. I don't think it's necessarily this uh, generation of comics versus that generation of comics. I think it's just that this is like a hidden gem, just like I'm sure there that there are plenty in current modern comics. Um, these these one-off uh, fill-in stories just uh, offer an opportunity to tell these stories that are are more character studies and rather these big overarching events mm. that are happening. They have to tell a story in just this one issue. So what are they going to focus on? Are they going to bring in this big bad guy to like raise the stakes? No, they're going to they're going to make it something smaller that they can tell in this one story. Maybe they won't have a villain at all. Maybe this will just be about J. Jonah Jameson and his relationship with Spider-Man, the figure. And I I love it and I think that's what makes this comic so good. Well, I, I, I want to point out, you're right. It's not necessarily like a 80s versus now thing. It's more of a, it's a specific, it's a specific 
post-1985 all comics, all, all superhero comics, versus pre-1985. And what I mean is that, you know, growing up reading, say, G.I. Joe or Transformers or even Spider-Man, since there was no internet and there was almost no press, you really had no idea what was coming next, right? So you would just, you'd go to the store and you'd buy X-Men and you had no idea what was going to happen in the next issue. Or, or, you know, so you just go there and you, it, it's not like you'd go, oh, well, I, I, I am going to read this issue because it has Mr. Sinister, but I'm not going to read this one because it has Magneto. You just bought them all, right? And if it was good, you'd continue. And if it was bad, you'd stop. And if you compare it to a TV show, I mean, every week there's a new episode of a TV show and you never, they don't hype, they don't usually hype specific episodes. They kind of just release them and everyone watches them and they react but the way the comics have started to become since probably Secret Wars is they'll, they'll hype up these crossovers and these storylines. And it's all based on, like Adam was saying, the stakes of like, oh my God, something's going to happen. It's going to change. And let's talk about Spider-Man. It's going to change Spider-Man's life forever. His parents are back. Oh, but they're clones. Oh, wait a minute. Spider-Man's a clone. Oh, wait a minute. Peter Parker's not even a real Spider-Man. And, and every, you know, it's like my whole, you know, 20s, I avoided Spider-Man because of that. And then it seems like every once in a while, they try to bring it back down to earth with uh, more small scale stories. But then they eventually maybe sales are low or whatever. And they just go right back to that hype machine, you know, and I just I can't get into that. And um, again, I'm again, like you said, Josh, no, I'm not definitely not criticizing all modern comics because mm. there's a lot of hidden gems. But I just think that there's there's a certain... Um, you know, uh, I don't want to call them like a, it's not a conspiracy, but it's like there's a certain type of uh, executive at Disney or Warner that's like, okay, guys, this isn't working. Let's get back to the mega crossovers because we know those sell. We'll hype it up. We'll put billboards up. And and at the end of the day, I just don't care about that stuff. I'd rather just read something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay, boomer. Uh, i want to say quickly Uh. what i was going to say earlier was that it does it does remind me of uh rashomon and and because i've read this story before and i thought that's more where it was going where we were going to see like five different points of view about how it opened where it it wasn't so much that so i feel like it might have lost i mean again maybe that's just my expectation maybe that's not what the writer was trying to do but I felt like that's where it was going. I didn't quite accomplish that. But for what it did accomplish, I thought it was really good. And I, I want to point out that Mike Harris, I think he was the same guy that drew that. Remember the Smithville, Smithville Thunderbolt mm-hmm. two-parter where the art was just horrendous? So I think it shows the strength of Kyle Baker to really fix this art because he was really one of the best inkers in the industry at this point. And I think he made the art a lot better than it was originally. However, did you guys notice there was at least one or two panels that were clearly inked by other people? No. Like, if you go to hmm. Digital 16, look at the bottom left panel of Mary Jane Watson. It, it looks like it's John Romita Sr. or somebody. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then there's another one that's really, really... Um, okay, go to Digital 21. Look at J. Jonah Jameson's... Sorry, J. Jonah Jameson's face on the left and look at it on the right. Two completely different inkers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm thinking that for some reason, who knows? Because at this time, I think John Romita Sr. was the art director of Marvel. 
something happened in that second panel. They didn't like it. So he went in and, and his team fixed it or whatever. And that's what I think happened. But anyway, just wondering if you guys mm. noticed that. But anyway. Yeah, I, I, she didn't, it didn't notice that. <laughs> huh. So anyway, I was, I, I was too distracted from the pain of Amazing Spider-Man 275, but um. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so I definitely recommend this issue. Adam, do you recommend it? Oh yeah, highly. Awesome, uh, GI Julie, do you recommend it? Absolutely, like a s- like nothing before this. I will hand this to other people. Awesome, uh, Josh. Yeah, uh, it was fantastic. I think it was one of my uh, favorite issues we've read on the, uh, nice. the podcast. Bex Luthor. Yeah, no, definitely. It's actually, I think we can all kind of agree on this one, which I don't think has happened in a while. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, good point. And nothing horrifically offensive, so. Mm. Interesting. Don't worry, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's all amazing right. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on that note, we're going to jump to Amazing Ugh. Spider-Man 275. And Bex Luther, I believe you're summarizing this one, right? Yeah, I hate myself, so sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, sorry, yeah, okay. Sorry, I just got a text message that there's been um, suspicious activity on my Netflix account. Hmm. I don't use my own Netflix account. Mm. I use somebody else's, so. See, you're probably the suspicious activity. It's me. (laughs) I was the villain. (laughs) Um, So, you know, amazing 275. uh, Really awesome cover, honestly, to start off with. Uh, But I will say, as soon as I opened the comic to, to read it, I was like, oh, cool, Hobgoblin's back. And then it's like, in this issue, the origin of Spider Man. Cool. Mm. You know, because it's been a while since we've heard about what happened to Uncle Ben. Maybe like a couple <laughs> minutes. So can't can't wait to read about that again. Um, so it just starts off with the Hobgoblin and he's got some new toys that he's gotten from the Rose, I guess. Um, and he can't wait to try them out on Spider-Man. So we go back over to... Um, who is it? It's uh, Nathan's returning home, right? After he got mugged in an alleyway mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. goons. But yeah, so they throw him like a big old surprise party. And something interesting that I'll talk about later too when we're, when we're talking about it. But Nathan's like, I thought you'd be busy with work, Peter. Like, you should be busy at work. And meanwhile, he's always on Peter about not being there, but whatever. So Mary Jane's there. And then they're just um, celebrating that he's back. We go back to um, Hobgoblin, who is testing out his new toys on stuff, and then, and then, and then we're in Flash Thompson's apartment, and and then, and Shashan, who is who's having, she's just been having some trouble with Flash, so she's she's gonna call 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 a friend and get some advice, and Flash freaks out because obviously she can't be talking to other men. Who does she think she is? Him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, because Flash Thompson's been secretly seeing Betty Leeds for the last month, couple, several months. So he accuses her of, of cheating on him, um, does something, and storms out, leaves her crying. Uh, so I didn't 
know that this was a thing that happened, but if I've ever said anything positive about Flash Thompson, I take it back. Um, we go back over. Mary Jane is giving some more not-so-useful advice to Peter, who is deciding that he's going to give up being Spider-Man for the umpteenth time. And he even says it. He's like, I've given up being Spider-Man before, but this time I mean it. Which, <laughs> which means he definitely doesn't mean it. Um, and it's weird because Mary Jane is, like, weird about it. Because normally she'd be like, like, yeah, get rid... I don't I don't like Spider-Man. I don't like that you're Spider-Man. Then we could be together. But she doesn't want him to give up being Spider-Man. And then he decides, he's like, you know what, Mary Jane? I've never told you about why I became Spider-Man, have I? And then I roll my eyes and go, oh, oh, joy. I can't wait to, to read this again for the umpteenth time. So it's just Peter Parker's origin story. He is bullied. Uncle Ben's there, Aunt May's there, he has bullied some more, spider bites, jumps out of the way of the car, Rust, uh, Crusher Hogan wrestling match, Aunt May and Uncle Ben are the best parents in the world, Spider-Man goes on TV. I feel like I don't even need to say any of this at this point. We all well, know, we all know this, this story. <laughs> and then he doesn't, he lets the robber go. And it turns out that the robber's gonna is the one that ends up shooting Uncle Ben. And responsibility what? something something. I know! Crazy. <laughs> so, um so that's why he's Spider-Man, Mary Jane, and she for some reason is still next to him and didn't go oh and leave. Which is what I would have done. <laughs> but and then he's just regaling all the mistakes he made Gwen Stacy dying which wasn't his fault uh, Nathan getting beat up which also wasn't his fault um, uh, Gene DeWolf which definitely wasn't his fault but he's <laughs> blaming himself for all of these things because of course he can't and Mary Jane's sad about it so then we go back to the bugle and Betty is upset because she can't choose between her husband and Flash Thompson, who's just a great guy. Just <laughs> phenomenal stand-up man. Um, Betty, throw both of, throw both men out. They're both trash. So, Ned is at Flash Thompson's apartment, and he's looking for him. And Shishan is making the incredibly difficult and smart decision to just get up and leave him. Thank God. 10 out of 10 for her. Um, Ned and Flash run into each other in the street. Ned gets his ass kicked. <laughs> and then now we're back to Hobgoblin trying to get Spider-Man to come out of hiding. So he takes hostage, which just happens to be Shashan. <laughs> it's, it's a big city, but there's only like five people in it. <laughs> so Peter sees this on the news and he gets just this, this incredible wave of responsibility <clears throat> after spending... A half an issue talking about how he doesn't want to be Spider-Man, so he dresses up as Spider-Man to go be Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> saves the day, and then at the on the last page, gets hit by the Hobgoblin. And what happens? That that oh. was this issue. As, can you tell how <laughs> I loved it? But wait, <laughs> I have to point out one thing. Uh, you may dismiss the uh, recap of the origin of Spider-Man. But for people in, you know, 1986, it was a joy to see this reprint because there was no way to read the original story by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko unless you had $52,000. So, I don't mind this reprint. I don't know if you realize. This was never the first been... reprinting? Yeah. yeah. Hmm? This is the first time it was reprinted? Not the first time, but 
There uh, was no way to get it unless you... You know what? Uh, it was maybe the second or third, but at the same time, if you're a kid buying comics every week, there was no way... There was no trade paperback. There was no mm. graphic novel. There was no obviously no digital, right? So, I feel like now if you walk by a stand of comics... The, the person selling them, it, like, just it begging you, like, please, please take this reprint. Please. Mm, probably, yeah. Uncle Ben died. Exactly. Don't you want to know, kid? <laughs> but, I mean, we've seen, like, maybe not the exact reprinting of this, but we've got the gist of it from mm-hmm. the last every issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> But you know, it is a it's an important anniversary. It's the 275th issue. So, but anyway. Yeah. Oh, yay. What anniversary is that? Is that like the throw it in the garbage anniversary? <laughs> okay, anyway, anyway. Flame okay. dumpster anniversary. Paper. Yeah. Paper. So, we'll get let's just let, let's just keep our review focused on like the main story here. Uh, GI Jolie, what did you think about the the, act, the main story? The art was good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, do you know what? What? <clears throat> okay, fine. Uh, it's just like kind of the same spidey level cry out that we've been doing. Yeah, with. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, there, there's, there's some personal drama that Peter and his friends are going through, and. Um, it's just more whining and complaining that uh, mm-hmm. we were accustomed to hearing from Peter and more um, sort of petting and oh poor Petering from like Mary Jane and then you shoehorn a villain in it and then you throw in like, and, and to have thrown in just a reprint um, it, it, oh, it's exhausting and cheap uh yeah i'm with you so far easier yeah i mean it made for an easier read i just skipped the whole thing (laughs) went right back to the quote main story Mm -hmm. you know what though um i like that i don't like how it culminated into the beating of shashan but i mean how are we gonna get rid of flash really not Barry Allen. Uh, sorry, I mean Flash. I keep Flash calling Thompson, him the right. Flash, but mm. I, I mean, total a hole who beats women. Flash Thompson. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of glad that this is sort of over now. Did, was it like twenty of our episodes ago that you were like they're trying to write Ned Leeds as Hobgoblin? Well, I didn't want to spoil it, but yes, this writer, Tom DeFalco, is writing Ned Leeds as the Hobgoblin. And that is why, that is exactly why Hobgoblin kidnaps, um, what's her name? Shashan? Shashan. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly why. It's not just a coincidence, so yeah. Well, but I mean, sorry, Adam, we spoil it. Spoilers. <laughs> well, I wasn't paying attention. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I know. I don't remember who the Hobgoblin actually was because it got so convoluted in the end, but I know that's who it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I also want to quickly point out that if you read the origin story reprinted, Flash Thompson's in that story. Flash Thompson is the one that is bullying Peter Parker. It's the same guy, so. He always was, you know, a bully, and then Peter Parker... Then they kind of became friends, and then they kind of had a couple issues ago. 
it kind of had like a little bit of a you know like they're friends right and Flash mm-hmm. Thompson kind of explained his actions and he basically said that he didn't think he was a bully he thought Peter Parker was an asshole and you know I was kind of taking Flash Thompson's side and then this issue he punched his girlfriend in the face I'm kind of mm-hmm. I'm back on the side of Peter Parker but anyway it Josh. always sucks it, it always sucks when this happens in comics because it makes me hate the character right mm-hmm. but it's not the character that I dislike it's the writer yeah you, you know what right. I mean good because, point. Good because point. afterwards they try to erase that right they, they try to to erase that from history and that character never did that um, or, or they just kind of like turn a blind eye to it right right so later on I don't hate Flash because he's in the comics still. He becomes Venom, right? Like he's yeah, you, you know, like he's a character. It's it really sucks when stuff like this happens because it it's really dated and in poor taste. And mm-hmm. like, why was this needed? Like, it literally adds a nothing. Uh, they got into a fight. He could have just stormed off, right? It, it, it's nothing. It's ugh. It's as they say, it kind of breaks the toys, right? Like, or this yeah. expression where they talk about that. But anyway, yeah, Jolie, what were you going to say? Well, the fact that he went back to his apartment and then Shashan wasn't there. Mm. Her life was currently in peril. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what a good for nothing be. Like, I should have known she wasn't going to be here. Letting me down again. Well, you know what? You just backhanded her like mm-hmm. 25 minutes ago. You really think she's going to be there for your stupid ass? Right, anyway, right, right. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> um, yeah, if anything yeah. if anything good has come from this horrible, stupid thing that didn't need to happen, it was Shashan being like, oh, nah, F this, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Because leaving these kinds of relationships is difficult, challenging, emotionally manipulative, like awful. <laughs> and she was like, Nope, I'm better than this. Fuck off. Like, immediately. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. good for her. <clears throat> Sucks yeah. that she gets kidnapped immediately, but you know. <laughs> well, and the other thing I want to say is that besides the that scene kind of ruining Flash Thompson, as Josh said, written by Tom DeFalco, uh, I I don't know. I, I think the, the, the formula of Amazing Spider-Man is starting to wear thin on me. Like, I do appreciate it's fun and it's fast-moving and it's a classic Marvel style. But it is starting to feel it is starting to wear thin, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. And like the way that the, the story opens up with Hobgoblin just seemingly talking to no one about his new doohickeys, then three pages later you're like, Oh, he's talking to the Rose, I get it, okay. And I don't know, just it, it just feels very tired, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know, Adam, have you given your full review yet? I, I don't think I need to. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what do you think? Can you I'll just quickly say my thoughts have been echoed by everyone else. The main story is redundant. I've mm. seen the Hobgoblin stuff before. I've seen the Peter Self-Doubt stuff before. Um, the whole thing where the Gwen Stacy falling from the bridge is revisited, in this case with Shashan being dropped by the Hobgoblin. It's all stuff I've seen before in previous issues and stuff that would be repeated ad nauseum in future issues. This contributes nothing. Right, And the only thing, I agree with Mike, I think at the time it may have been novel to get your hands on something that reprinted Amazing Fantasy 15, but mm-hmm. honestly, if this is a big anniversary and you're resorting to a clips show, and this is mm-hmm. the first time I've seen a clip show in a comic format, um, yeah, yeah, there's something wrong. And <laughs> yeah, also the whole situation with the abuse against Shashan, like, not only is that disgusting, <clears throat> but... 
who is this comic for? At this time, it was being written for children, young adults. Do we really need mm. to have that type of horrible abuse of women being represented in a way that I don't think is that constructive? She right. doesn't really do much to assert herself aside from leave Flash, and then she's just victimized again, literally, by being kidnapped maybe five minutes after walking out the door. I just, I feel like this was a, a waste, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I just got to say something because I posted this to Facebook, that little uh, scene, and someone pointed out, wow, good thing Flash doesn't think of himself as a bully. Because we did just, Josh, we did this review recently. Where just, Josh, yeah. Yeah, where he had that scene where he explained to Peter Parker. He's like, I wasn't a bully. And he had me convinced. I'm like, I'm on Flash Thompson's side. Anyway. Mm. And then he hits his, his girlfriend and also immediately punches Ned Leeds in the, in the face in the middle of the road, too, afterwards. Right, right. He hits two people in, like, ten minutes. <laughs> And the flashback to like his to Peter's origin just showcases how much of a dick Flash is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know it's like Whiplash. We had that whole comic a little bit ago where he was talking about how he wasn't a bully and how like it was just Peter's perspective and and he's just a regular dude. And it's like, mm, mm-hmm. I, I disagree. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, One yeah, more I, thing I do, yeah. I would want to add to this, because this is so out of character for Peter. He actually says he's not going to get involved when he sees Shoshana is being kidnapped. And he says, and I quote, Why me? The city is full of the costume jerks, like the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. And so Mary Jane has to prod him to go and save her by saying, where's your sense of responsibility now? In spite of the fact he just recapped over 12 pages yeah. of fact that by not being responsible, he led to his uncle's death, and it's still something that haunts him to this day. What the hey? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's very, it's very, um, hmm, I guess soap op, soap op, operatic, like very uh, forced, you know, like forced melodrama, you know, like it's like a checklist. Okay, we got to have him remember Gwen Stacy. We got to have him feel guilty. We got to do this. And it's just a checklist, checklist, checklist. Julie, were you going to yeah. say something? Well, yeah, I mean, sh- sure, uh, I get it. If he is exhausted by being painted as a villain and he just mm. saw some person being kidnapped by the Hobgoblin, I can understand maybe him saying, well, why does it always have to be me? I get persecuted whatever I do. <clears throat> this is his friend. Um, I think is one the- a person... <sighs> I think on the news, it wasn't shown who it was. And I think they even oh. said it was an unnamed person. And then when he shows up, he goes, oh, my God, Shoshan. So, uh, yeah, I think he d- doesn't know until he shows up. Mm. Well, it's a good thing he showed up because then he would have had more spider yeah. guilt. Could you imagine <laughs> if she died? Yeah. <laughs> he would just... Um. He would just Another clip all. for the show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out, if we're looking for someone to blame, everyone go to digital page 31. Uh, Becca, I know you don't have the page numbers, but it's the it's the full page splash of Hobgoblin with Shashan um, on his Hobgoblin glider and Spidey is swinging in from the top. You know that page? Yeah. So <laughs> the guy in the foreground is Tom DeFalco. The blonde guy's Ron Ooh. Friends, and I believe mm. the black dude with the shades is um, Jim Owsley. So, there are the mm. culprits. Anyway, mm. just thought I'd point that out. 
losers. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so I mean, yeah, go ahead. There's only one good thing from this comic, and it's that Mary Jane's finally getting out of her own ass about Peter being Spider-Man, and the fact that that's the part that she loves about him. So right. Right. Uh, maybe well, she can stop being whiny about it. Also, to uh, Spider Spider-Man gets finger blasted. Yeah, yes. I right. he does. I that. So. And he prevents a finger blasting and unwanted finger blasting. So it's like yeah. twofold. Yeah. Um, also, there's like five butts for the tally. So that that was pretty good. Yeah, we haven't been able to butt tally in a while because I've just been too mad. <laughs> I <noticed>. <laughs> <laughs> Even some good gobby butts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, here, here's a question. For, from the point of view of, like, an audience that knows what is coming, do you guys think that you were supposed to think this was Ned Leeds as Hobgoblin, or were you supposed to think it was Flash Thompson? Because if you notice... Ned. I think it's cool, but, I mean, on page Digital 26, they kind of leave it a little bit, you know, up in the air, because Ned gets knocked down, and then he's like, you'll pay for this, Thompson. I swear you'll pay. Then it cuts to Flash Thompson... And he's like, I should have known that I couldn't depend on her when the chips were down. That miserable little witch, if I ever get my hands on her again. Then the, the, the next scene is somebody dressing up as Hobgoblin. And then they go and kidnap Shashan. So, I mean, it's pretty uh, clever. I, I think it was supposed to be Ned's, Ned leads, though, because they even, like, uh, Betty's conversation with uh, Robbie, I think, kind of yeah. hints more towards that of, like, Having like the the undercover night assignments, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah. So do you think it's do you think it's uh, well? I'm not going to call it quite clever, but is it at least an attempt at being clever? Um, red herring. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I I mean, maybe it's easier to say again because we know. So like, mm-hmm. once I read that line about him having you know a night shift, it's like, oh, there we go, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does feel maybe a little um, up in the air still, and you can make arguments for either, but but we know because we have we hindsight. know. Yep. So okay, so I guess we have really mixed feelings about this book, but I, yeah, I'm gonna say even though I appreciate the reprint of Amazing Fantasy 15, I want to give this a negative recommendation. I don't think it's a great issue at all. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Oh, really dislike it. And mm. recommend not reading it at all. Ooh. <laughs> all right, Joshua Mervell, what do you think? Um, I didn't like the issue, uh, but I will say I kind of like that it was just a reprint, a whole reprint of the, the first issue, like his origin, because uh, it wasn't mixed in with other things happening. So I could just completely skip it. We're, nor- we're normally with his um, with his like backstory stuff. It's other characters talking about it and him like whining about Uncle Ben every issue. And I'm like, okay, I gotta quickly read through this mm, so I can see if point, anything happens. At least with this, it's like, okay, I get it. I I just scrolled super quick until I didn't see, uh, uh, you know, until I saw that it went back to the regular issue and then started reading again. I personally like the reprint as is because I could read it and learn about Spidey's origin for the first time when I was 12. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, G.I. Julie, do you recommend this issue? Mm-mm. <laughs> Just, mm-mm. 
Skip. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, skip it. All right, mm-hmm. Bex Luthor. Yeah, skip it. It's it's interesting how we went from one issue where Peter is being pretty mopey the whole time and praised it, and then this one and we're just like, shut up, <laughs> stop whining. Mm-hmm. So you could really see the difference in the writing. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, the 275th issue of Amazing. What, what, what did we call it? The Throw in the Dumpster anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big yeah. failure. Big failure. But we're gonna see how this hobgoblin thing plays out because we got some twists and turns coming very soon. So anyway, now we're gonna jump to Peter Parker's the all new, all daring Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. And this is Aunt May's house under siege, Spidey in the crossfire, a house divided. Spidey is smashing through a window to stop a hooligan from shooting Aunt May in the back of the head. That's not quite what happens in the issue, but we'll get to that later. So Before we s- you go on, Mike, yeah. I just want to point out, according to the cover art, this hooligan is a huge <laughs> Sting fan. Yeah, that's super important. That is or maybe awesome. he is Sting. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh my! That's after he got off the set of Dune. Okay, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh unless, my God. unless, unless this is supposed to be the wrestler Sting, which I'm sure you guys don't remember, but there was a wrestler mm-hmm. in NWA named Sting as well. But oh, he's also blonde. He has the buzz cut. It, it, either way, it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so this issue basically we have um, what's the guy's name? Um, Ernie Sting. No, Ernie. Sting. So oh. this is the guy who. John? I, I honestly mix these guys up. So it's very confusing because Nathan was involved got with who? Yeah, Nathan got mugged. This guy was also mugged, right? And he pulled the gun. Wait, he was mugged. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was on the train and he shot those teenagers. Right, right, it's, right. It's, it's Ernie. Ernie. So now he's being chased by the by the press to like give it give you know like a piece of his story and blah blah blah. Uh, but anyway, so he gets away from them. We cut over to Spidey. He is trying to get information out of random people in the street about the hobgoblins back. Who is he? Blah blah blah. So then Peter goes into the Peter into the Daily Bugle and he gets sent on an assignment to actually cover what's going on with um with Ernie. Coincidentally, you know Ernie lives with his aunt, so it kind of all works out in the end, right? And then uh, and then we get this this little cut over to Black Cat that doesn't really go anywhere, but I'm sure it'll come back in future issues. But this is where, um, and I know because I've read them, because I'm a loser. But anyway, so Black Cat mentions uh, a character called the Foreigner, who we find out is kind of like a boogeyman in the underworld. He's this guy that Black Cat doesn't actually believe exists. But we're going to find out later that he does. So anyway, oh, look at this, another subplot. This uh, kid um, who has been accused, whose father has been accused of being... Um, physically abusive by a teacher at school and so there's a guy who's like what I don't know if he's a what is he a lawyer or he's like a social yeah. worker or something yeah so he's just kind of there to like kind of um, you know assure the father that everything's going to be okay and he knows he's not abusive but then sure enough uh, the father had been working on this inve- this disintegration ray invention and the kid kind of got um, his hands on it and the father was so pissed off that he can cl- he clearly wants to beat the crap out of this kid but the father sees the lawyer there, so he kind of just puts a show on for him and just pretends to like hug the kid. Really well done scene, actually, the art. Um, anyway, so then we cut over to uh, Mary Jane coming home with his Aunt Anna. And um, then at the same time, Peter is walking with uh, Joy Mercado, 
because he's been sent on assignment here to kind of like take photos of uh, Ernie. And when they get there, the house has already been surrounded by police because the same hooligans that Ernie pulled the gun on have invaded the house and have taken everybody hostage. And so now the rest of the issue is um, Peter Parker trying to figure out what to do, blah, blah, blah. So eventually he decides to, he's like, okay, this is it. I got to, you know, suit up a Spidey and get in there and, and figure out how I'm going to rescue Aunt May as well as everybody else. And so we kind of get some like banter between the different, you know, the, the different friends that live there. They're all elderly, you know, couples and some of the recurring people like Nathan Lebinsky, who's May Parker's uh, fiance. We get a nice slap across the face from Aunt May, whap, right? To one of the hooligans. And then Spider-Man makes his way in and ends up taking out uh, silently taking out all all the different uh, bad guys one by one until he gets to the big boss. And this is kind of a, a crucial scene because then what happens is is Nathan... Okay, so the guy is... His, oh, he's got a gun pulled on Aunt May just as Spider-Man is coming into the room. And then Spider-Man webs up the bad guy's gun. Then Nathan pulls the blinds which obviously exposes him to the cops outside. The cops shoot and kill him. And then the ending of the story is that Aunt May is upset with Nathan because she feels that uh, Nathan kind of is like a little bit bloodthirsty. Like he was happy with the fact that the guy got killed. And so Aunt May doesn't know what to think about that. So then Peter Parker comes in and Peter's like all happy that obviously everyone's safe. And then Peter Parker is like... Uh, you know, don't even say it, Aunt May. Don't. Hey, don't cry. Come on. Like the man said, all's well that ends well. But we end on this shot of Nathan and Aunt May kind of like apart and not looking at each other because they've kind of just had this fight about how everything turned out. And yeah, uh, I'm going to save my piece for the end. But again, I thought it was another really good story, a done-in-one story that focused on the characters and revealed the characters by what happens in the story uh we'll start with you bex luthor what'd you think of this one uh this one was actually my favorite of the three hmm. um which is surprising because i vowed to never read the peter parker the spectacular spider-man huh. ever again after that that santa claus issue um no butts in this one <laughs> so who uh, is it the same artist by the way it I is can't remember. no well this is Bob Bob McCloud he's done a few issues but he didn't do okay. the last one though no then 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 we're all good <laughs> oh yeah um, sorry no it's not Mark Beacom I know the guy you're talking about no it's not him no. yeah I could tell because there's no butts <laughs> and the women in this this issue have faces um, <laughs> not just asses <laughs> not just asses no I really really did like this one I love the um kind of emphasis on Aunt May and her friends and the people who live with her more so than like we're establishing more of a world and, and Peter's in this world but there's so many other people who are part of his life um, I love that I love that Aunt May and Peter are the same like she raised him to not kill anybody and her fiance in kind of was the reason why this this guy was killed and she just, she can't handle that because she doesn't believe it's right. Mm -hmm. um, I really, really like that. Uh, I do like the stealth Peter. I think the black suit actually makes sense in this one for once. <laughs> That's yeah. always nice. Um, no, I, 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 did, I did enjoy it a lot. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say. It was kind of like, 
one done. I mean, I could do without some of the subplots, like... Right. What supervillain is this kid or his dad going to turn into? Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like Black Cat's Robin Hooding, though. I'm excited to see where that goes. Right, right. Where she was like, I can't wait to <clears throat> sell these diamonds to give the money to the orphanage. Like, that's great. <laughs> you know what? She she doesn't need a man. She's found her purpose, and it's orphanages and stealing. So good for her. <laughs> I'm proud of her. And did you, um, so you did like the art, though? Uh, I didn't dislike it. It wasn't very interesting to me. Um, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I guess I just... Maybe a little bit too much going on for me. Okay. To enjoy. I don't know if it's just the scan that I was reading is a little muddy, but mm-hmm. it just looked a little muddy. But, I mean, I'd rather read this than last week, so. All right. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Josh Lovervell? I think that I pretty much feel the same as Becca. Um, there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. I love Peter being stealthy in this issue. Um, kind of using his powers like they probably should be used right like creep around crawl around on the ceiling and the walls like a spider sneaking around like webbing people up like normally he just swings in and starts punching so this was uh, a nice almost refreshing take on him using his powers um as as is normal for peter parker um there's a lot of just dialogue there's so much to read in this issue. Um, a lot of like needless thought bubbles of characters thinking about what they're literally doing. Um, but all in all, this story was uh, pretty good, especially after the tumble that was uh, the death of Gene DeWolf. And then after that, the, the, the Santa Claus story. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with this issue. Yeah, all right. Uh, G.I. Jolie, what do you think? This was great. <laughs> um, it wasn't... I didn't like it as much as the, the first issue. That mm-hmm. um, just and, and I only say that because of the side plots that they included. Right. I right. feel like the side plots kind of made the issue... Um, you know... Those are my knocks against it. Like I, d- right. I have no idea what's going, um, why, who these people are, and why they're being introduced at a time like this. I mean, I see why you would cut to maybe Felicia, because she's been in Spider-Man before, so it sort of made sense. I was like, oh, are they bringing her back? And it felt good to read a Felicia with agency, even though that agency is thievery for the children. Right. But- hmm. I mean, if anything, for the children. I mean, it's for the children. Um, I think it's hilarious. The majority of her inner monologue and outer monologue is complaining that she's been um, mistaken for Silver Sable. Because who wants that? Right? She's like, who's that bitch? Not me. I'm doing this for the kids. But, okay, so, like, even... If there was one cutaway and it was just Black Cat doing her crime thing for the kids, that would have made sense. But then they cut away immediately after that to people I've never seen before to, right. mm-hmm. a, to a subplot that goes nowhere. And it's right. like, I don't like I don't like that. This isn't a movie. This is not gonna conclude at the at like at the end of this issue. Why do this? And I feel like they're like um 
we always talk about what movies and books do differently or what they do well compared to the others. They do this in movies for a reason because they wrap up that subplot. Right. Or in in a serialized television show, for example. Yes, comic books are serialized for the most part, but it doesn't make sense to do it here because if I was a kid in the 80s, there is a very good chance I'm going to miss this wrapping up. Yep, good point. Or I'm going to miss this happening. Right. Read whatever happened to him later. Normally in TV shows too, though, like when they're hinting at something, it usually has something to do with what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like maybe, um, maybe Black Cat um, stopped those guys f- or, or went in and stole those diamonds. And it was the main bad guy that we were following at the beginning when he like steals the jewelry off of the woman on the train. Maybe instead of that, he was, he's just gets done dropping off these diamonds that he stole from a jewelry store and then leaves. And then we see Black Cat come in and steal them back to, to you know what I mean? So it's like somewhat mm-hmm. connected. So there's a reason why we're getting like a tidbit of her story and then moving on. Um, it kind of reminded me of like Age of Ultron when Thor goes and takes a bath and learns about and learns about Infinity War. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's like it's like why was this here? This literally has nothing to do. And obviously, it makes sense when you're thinking about Infinity War. Like, okay, yeah, it's like you know, it's explaining other things that are going on, but it has literally nothing to do with what's happening right now. So it's <laughs> yeah. it really pushes you out of the story. I think this was a trend, like, even if you go back and watch Star Trek Next Generation, which is great, they somehow got into this trend where sometimes they'd have an episode that didn't have enough to fill one hour, so they would just have, like, half and half, like, half the story's about Data, you know, having dreams, and the other half is about Troy meeting her mother again, or whatever, (laughs) and there was no connection, and the whole time you're watching it, you're waiting for the connection, right? Because naturally, Mm -hmm. you expect everything to tie together, but when it doesn't, it's really frustrating. And I think that's why these subplots don't work here, mm-hmm. right? Because your brain wants them. You're like, oh, there's got to be a connection. Maybe it's the same guy. No, it's not the same guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and especially after we read about, you know, abusive flash Thompson, you get to abusive father. It's like, great. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, I was just coming away from that, stepping into this, and then, and then <laughs> to learn that it doesn't get resolved or mentioned again at the in this story it was kind of ugh. right um adam what'd you think of this one hello Did we lose him? uh-oh hello hello adam are you still with us <laughs> hello i am here if you can hear me yeah yes sounds Sorry, like you're I, on I got Mars. lost in the spec a little bit i got lost there was a spider-man that was chasing me uh, <laughs> okay so I'm going to give you my two cents on this, and it's nothing too original. This issue was fantastic. All right. So here's my whole thing. It's the same exact argument I made for the first comic we talked about, Web, Mm -hmm. because we have Spider-Man. He is going through character development. We're seeing interpersonal relationships. We're not seeing fighting a big bad. Good point. So I think... I don't really need to add too much more. Everything that was great about Web of Spider-Man is done well in here with the addition of great art. I love the pencils in this issue. 
Yes. So I will say, even with the ramifications of these minor subplots that don't go anywhere, which create some weakness, uh, other than that, no, it's fantastic. I think if it was not for those subplots, this would be the strongest issue this week. But uh, even with that said, I'm going to step away saying I highly recommend this issue. Yeah, and I do want to point out the art is, it's kind of that Bob McCloud style is one of those ones where if you don't pay attention, it kind of just passes you by. But if you really look closely, you realize how subtle his facial expressions are. And and he's just a really, like, he's not the most dynamic action artist, but he reminds me more of, like, Kurt Swan on Superman. He just really focuses on um, body language and character and uh, facial expressions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think Bob McCloud's really, really good. So, yeah. Go ahead, Julie. Well, I, I'm just I'm just thinking about this, and one of the things that they taught us in drawing is that, like, there are two sort of, there are two types of bodies that are, you have to pay more attention to, because if you get them wrong, you get them really wrong, and that's children and the elderly. And the elderly, I mean, this book is about the elderly. It's all of Aunt May's roommates slash friends. And, like, the one... He just, Bob McCloud just does it so well. There's <laughs> a scene where the bad guy is like, well, let me introduce you to my friends. And he calls himself like John, uh, Ringo, George, etc. Mm-hmm. And the, the he's talking about Ringo, who is like mm-hmm. upstairs in the upstairs bedroom with, he's upstairs with your friend, the cat in the hat. One, this is the most cinematic part of the book, which was funny. But like, just, he's like, uh, the bad guy says to the quote cat in the hat, you were there when Thompson hit that homer. I don't believe it. I don't get the baseball reference. Um, it's meant to be old, like probably like an old World Series reference. Right. And then the old guy says, so don't. And his whole body is saying, so don't. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. you don't often get like the body language matching, uh, that matching the dialogue. And I think uh, a friend of ours, Jeff, Chapman said it this once as well is that once you notice it it can't be unseen it's hard to look at art where the mouths aren't open um wh- when there's dialogue bubbles it just doesn't seem you know what I mean like right people who are who are drawing action and there's the main action is them usually speaking to have drawn a face that doesn't reflect the action of speaking Mm-hmm. Um, this this book, he's like, it, it's it's a little bit weird that their mouths aren't open; they're just poses. But in this book, it's like they're at the end of the sentence, or they're in the middle of the sentence, and they're actually he actually draws mm-hmm. characters speaking. And I think um, I agree with Becca that it's muddy. The scan that I read is terrible too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the art is so good. I'm yep. going to add him on the pencils. It's He's phenomenal. And I just want to say one thing. The greatest panel I've ever seen Aunt May in slapping that hoodlum. Mm. It is fantastic. And beyond that, I mean, yes, it's a ridiculous image. But at the same time, the dynamic of it, you can mm-hmm. actually feel the propulsion of her hand. Right. Like, even <clears throat> just in terms of the medium itself, it's done well. Mm-hmm. Plus... I'm so accustomed to Aunt May being this like fragile thing where if, you know, a slight breeze hits her, she's going to go into a coma. It's so great for actually asserting herself. Right, 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 Mm -hmm. right. 
And then yeah. doing it twice, like putting herself in peril twice. This slap almost made up for the Flash Thompson slap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I also want to uh, say one more thing about the, the baseball scene. I love the fact that it's one panel, two bubbles, and nothing is explained. There's no stupid, you know, asterisks with they're referring to the 1967 mm. World Series. You know, no, you just have the dialogue, you cut away, and you know that they've been talking for 20 minutes about baseball. They somehow got to this and blah, blah, blah. And it shows how old the one guy is. It shows how much of a dick the hooligan is. It's great, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. subtle characterization there. It's really well done. You're right. Uh, yeah, I love this issue. I, I don't know which one's my favorite, this one or uh, Web of Spider-Man, but they're both really good. So I obviously recommend this one. Obviously. Uh, Adam, do you recommend this one? Oh, highly. Like I said, if we read more issues where we actually get character development for the characters rather than just Spider-Man fighting a battle against another random villain that oh, he's going to win or there's going to be a stalemate to be continued in the next issue, this would captivate my interest much more. And I think, like you alluded to, Mike, these are those hidden gems that you find. Mm-hmm. They don't get talked about. They're not big milestones, but they're what made reading these comics worthwhile when they were being published. That's right. And that's also why this is my favorite uh, era of Spidey. And, you know, we got more Peter David comics to come. So we'll have you on again soon for sure. Uh, Joshua Mm -hmm. Mervell, what did you think of this one? Or, I mean, do you recommend it? Sorry. I I do recommend it. Um, Mike, I think maybe this is it. This is what you've been talking about this whole time. There you go. The 80s era being the best era for Spider-Man. Like, this was... Yeah, this was a super great one. Um, besides um, some of those rough patches of either like a long unneeded dialogue or um, the weird subplots that are building up to something else that have nothing to do with this. Um, it was really fun, a really good issue with uh, Spidey using his powers um, in like a a way that a, a person with spider powers would use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the characterization of aunt may and um, all of the people in her home. Like it was, yeah, it was great. So it's kind of like when you recommend a, a TV show to someone and you're like, you just got to skip the first 94 episodes and then it gets good. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Bex Luther. What do you think? Do you recommend this one? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah. This, this was my favorite one that we've read in a while. And, just blows my mind that it what it what it came right after right but it also came after that scene where peter's talking to his suit like it's oh, his yeah. per, like his other personality right mm-hmm. which is one of the better things that i've read in a long time mm-hmm. so i do understand where you're coming from mike i love right. comic books you know i love comic All books right. i love old comic books it's just i wish i could have read them when you read them so that I could have enjoyed them more because when like you can't get past the the, the female anatomy sometimes mm. or the, the the racism and the sexism it just pull it pulls me out of it but um so I kind of wish I had a more innocent mindset going into this to enjoy it more but then there's stuff like this where it, where it, no hate crimes are happening and I can actually enjoy the comic right 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 <laughs> Uh, did we get everyone's recommendations then? Is that everyone? Jolie. Jo- G.I. Yeah. Jolie, do you recommend this uh, yeah. one? Yeah. I think I said it this sort of the same 
as uh, the story. Uh, I said it at the same time I was giving my review, but yes, I recommend it. Um, I didn't realize how long it would take for us to get to the Spider-Man comics that you were talking about <laughs> so highly. Um, but I'm glad that we're here, and I hope that it doesn't end. I really sincerely hope that it doesn't end. Because I'm going to uh, feel terrible if next week is just back to that weird status quo. Not stuff we shall see because we are going to be reviewing amazing spider-man number 276 uh follow up to this story let's hope it's better right Mm -hmm. and we're also going to be reading uh peter parker number 114 and web of spider-man 14 we're going to have a special guest that we just confirmed josie murphy will be joining us Ooh. Oh, most of us from- know jo- Josie. Yeah, from book club, so or movie club. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So be sure to join us again next week because I can pretty much say that it's gonna be more good stuff and maybe a little bit of bad stuff, but mostly good stuff. But yeah, uh, Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Please. Please let us know what you guys think about the comics we're talking about and the podcast itself. We definitely want to keep that comics conversation going. That's right. And also we want to thank Adam Peltier for joining us. Adam, we'll definitely have you back on again soon, if you will. Yes, yes, of course. Awesome. All right. So until next Monday, spider friends. Disperse. Uh, Go for it. (laughs) 